The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Digital World with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run business is run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. Importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo and help your organization move forward in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 and if you want to run with the Game Changers, you're absolutely in the right place. Today's buzz, headache number 999. Those of you in the U.S. may remember the long-running Excedrin headache commercials. I think each headache had a number and a description, so let's talk about that today. Do you know your CXO's worst headache today? What's keeping him or her and them awake at night? Well, we believe it's redesigning the company from the customer lens. What does that entail? Well, they've got to create an emotional, social, networked, mobile-first enterprise that appreciates the power of the crowd. The crowd is loud. They're digital. They're connected. They want what they want, and they'll say it if they get it and if they don't get it. So the challenge for your CXO includes intelligently using digital to achieve a profitable customer experience. There's two, two elements in there. Good customer experience and profitable one. We want them to be happy, but you want them to buy. They have to turn digital investments into business advantages, and operations have to be shaped seamlessly. So the big question on the table here as we're trying to help CXOs solve this headache problem is, how can they ensure your company survives and more than that thrives in this digitally powered global economy? A very hefty task. I have three experts joining me today here on Digital World with Game Changers, and they're going to see if they can help you figure it all out. First up on the panel, I'm delighted to welcome Maggie Buggy. She is a VP and Head of Sales and Marketing for Capgemini's Digital Customer Experience and Mobile Solutions Global Service Line. And Maggie sent me this marvelous three-word quote. I love these, these short quotes because they pack a punch. The quote is, it's all invented from Benjamin Zander, conductor of the Boston Philharmonic, and much more. Maggie Buggy, welcome to SAP Game Changers Radio. How are you? Fantastic, Bonnie. Good to be here. Thank you for joining me. You're a little bit far away. We want to get you a little closer to your mic. But, Maggie, this is an amazing quote. It's all invented. I can imagine Benjamin Zander standing at the, as conductor of the Boston Philharmonic waving his baton and just looking out at the world and saying it's all invented. Why don't you relate that great quote to our topic today, please, Maggie? Absolutely, Bonnie. This is one of my favorite quotes, and I think it's particularly relevant in the context of our challenge here today, i.e. CXO headaches in the context of digital and how they redesign their organizations to focus on the customer, to be customer-obsessed. And Benjamin's premise is that 
We need to move away from getting so hung up on the old embedded ways of doing things, the way in which historic political capital is aligned across our enterprises. We need to throw all of that out and we need to really reconsider from a customer and external to the enterprise perspective, how do we create resonant, meaningful companies that both employees and customers want to interact with? And the reason I love It's All Invented is that it works for me and for our clients. It's a really good aid memoir around are we being innovative enough? Are we rethinking this well enough? Are we doing a good enough job at leaving all our preconceptions of how we think things should be done at the door as we reconsider what is the best way to design meaningful, sustainable organizations moving forward. So that's my very quick synopsis of why this quote is meaningful for me and why I chose to share it here with you all today. Thank you, Maggie. Great. Very interesting. Uh, Something stood out of of the many wonderful things you shared. You mentioned customer-obsessed. That is such a powerful phrase. Powerful Should that phrase. be the, the mantra, it's all invented and be customer-obsessed? customer, customer obsessed. Would that be a mantra you would see for CXOs? It would be a mantra, but I'd add a third element to it. Be mm-hmm. customer and employee-obsessed. A big point of this being rele- of being relevant for CXOs moving forward is that people still make it happen. So in answer to your question, Bonnie, it's all invented, be customer and employee obsessed. Wow, you've added another wrinkle there, Maggie. That's a big deal. First, we're saying you have to pay attention to the customer. They're loud, they're noisy, they have their own vision, their own lens, their own point of view. They're connected, they're informed. And now you're saying you have to pay attention to your employees too. I think headache number 999 just escalated into headache number 9,999, Maggie. We'll have to deal with that. Thank you so much. Good intro to our topic. And again, welcome to the show. And now let me bring on our second panelist. It's Jerry Brown. He's been on S. SAP Radio before. He's the senior analyst in the customer engagement practice at OVM, leading tech analyst group. And here is an interesting quote from Maurice Levy, the chairman and CEO of Publicis. And let me read the quote. Today, there is no room for mediocre. The key question for us at Publicis and our clients is how do we de-silo and still protect our core cultures? Mm, That's a pithy quote. Jerry Brown, welcome. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Um, And how are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Yourself, Jerry Brand, thanks for joining us. Interesting quote. Tell us a little bit about why you picked a quote from Maurice Levy, or Levy, however he pronounces it, and no room for mediocre. That seems to go really well with what Maggie was talking about. Talk to me, Jerry. Indeed, it does. So, um, uh, good afternoon, everybody from uh, London. And uh, I, the reason I chose this quote is actually you won't see it anywhere else because um, uh, I was at the Advertising Week Europe, which is a, a big show that they do in London for the advertising industry. And I was privileged to see Morris uh, speak there. And uh, he was basically, uh, he, uh, for those of you who are not familiar with publicists there, one of the big four advertising agencies uh, based out of France, uh, a $6 billion organization. Uh, and Morris has been instrumental in, in building up that, uh, that um, uh, franchise o- over, over 35, 40 years. And now he's, he's in his 70s. He's been around. He started his life as an IT director. So uh, the first uh, CIO to become a CEO and chairman, I would suggest. Um, so he was talking about 
publicists. So they're in the advertising agency world, and that's a massive transformational area. You know, they're getting pulled all different ways because the days of Mad Men has really moved on. And now advertising agencies are required to, to look much more at digital, to look at data, and, and to look at media. And in actual fact, uh, Martin Sorrell, who's the CEO of, uh, uh, of WPP, says you know, he's no longer in the advertising business. He's in the communications business. So Morris, um, he was talking about the change in the industry. And he said uh, for, for him, he had three major challenges. First of all, the whole nature of communications uh, is changing. Secondly, marketing is turning to an omni-channel rather than a single-channel kind of uh, business. Uh, and thirdly, he's getting a lot of pressure from clients to reduce costs, improve service standards, and to embrace uh, digital technologies. So he's saying there's a whole bundle of things, and he said, uh, said I'm not you know, alone in this. Most of my clients are, are, are feeling these pain points. And particularly, we're very familiar with uh, what he calls Uberization, which I love mm -hmm. the word. So the way that Uber have, 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 have completely transformed uh, the taxi industry uh, and there's many other examples too so he was saying you know we need to move on and nowadays consumers uh, are, have exposure to fantastic services from the likes of Amazon and Google and they expect the, the same kind of, uh, of service uh, quality and standards from large enterprises such as his in, um, in uh, uh, advertising so basically he said there's a, a French cake called the meal fur which has got many, many layers mm -hmm. to it. And he said, you don't want to be a meal fur. This was, you know, get rid of the silos because they stop you from working effectively and collabor collaborating internally effectively. So he said, get rid of the meal fur. You need a single piece of cake with no slices whatsoever. But getting there is difficult because, um, you know, particularly in the advertising world and large advertising agencies, they have many, many uh, different agencies which work independently. And bringing them all together and, and harmonizing, unifying the, the, the services available and the, the talent available within, within his organization without alienating certain parts of the organization and, and you know, destroying you know, cultures which has taken many years to create is, is very, very challenging. Um, so uh, you know, maybe we'll come on to discuss this a little bit further later on. But basically, his message was, look, we have to be best in class here. Mm -hmm. the, the competition is severe. We, if we're not good enough, the customer will, has, has other choices. They can move elsewhere. And uh, we need to be, move beyond me, mediocre to best in class. And we need to do it by pulling together in, in, the right, in, in a right harmonious way our individual silos and, and functional specialisms to provide a unified, integrated brand promise which resonates with the market and is consistent and sustainable. Thank you, Jerry. Very interesting overview. I, I must tell you, I love to look up little words, bun mo, if you'll uh, excuse the expression, that I get while guests are speaking. And you mentioned the cake. It's uh, The way I pronounce it is millefeuille, M-I-L-L-E-F-E-U-I-L-L-E. And I have to tell everybody, it's a vanilla slice, custard slice, also known as a Napoleon with a thousand layers. And you just made me very hungry, Jerry Brown. So thank you very much for that quote. A lot of good stuff. Yes, we have a lot 
lot more to talk about, but I love these little little bits and pieces of culture that come into the conversation. So thank you, Jerry. And let me welcome our third panelist. It's Ira Burke, VP of Solutions Go to Market at SAP with Global Responsibility for Internet of Things. And if Ira Burke's name sounds familiar to our listeners, it's because he is the sponsor of our Internet of Things with Game Changers series here on SAP Game Changers Radio. And he has graciously agreed to come on because he's passionate about this topic as well as the other 5,000 topics he can speak on. So here's the quote from Ira Burke. He says, in the absence of clearly defined goals, we become strangely loyal to performing daily trivia until ultimately we become enslaved by it. And the quote is from Robert Heinlein, H-E-I-N-L-E-I-N, an American science fiction writer. Welcome, Ira Burke. We've got you on a new series today. How are you? I'm doing great, Bonnie, and thanks very much for the uh, invitation to join. Delighted. So talk to me. Interesting quote. Uh, it is, and, and it's interesting because this is, uh, you know, we started off on a, on a digital topic, but of course it's all about the culture, and, uh, and that's the thing that really strikes me, not just about the, uh, the discussion that we've already, uh, that we already opened up here, but when we're bringing these new technologies into a company, the success or failure is so much defined by how much people are willing to change, how much they're willing to give up the way things are running now, how much a company, um, like Maggie said, is going to really empower its employees to go out and, uh, and make things work in a new and, and different way, uh, that the technology is only an, uh, an enabler. And the hard part is breaking away from the, uh, from the behaviors and traditions of the past. Okay. Thank you very much, Ira. Ira, any, uh, any comments for Maggie on what she said about being customer obsessed? What do you think about that? Well, I, I think it's brilliant. I think it's also extremely difficult, right? So because it needs to permeate the entire organization, right? It's 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 common and typical for a salesperson to be customer obsessed to really get to know the customer and what they need. But throughout the organization, from operations to product development to research, um, any company that's really going to be successful in this arena has to be willing to consider everything, try anything, do everything, and empower every area of the business to uh, to succeed. So I think that was spot on. Okay, good. And I like the fact that she also said you have to take care of your employees. We'll talk about that as well. Thank you, Ira. I must make a note that Ira was in transit today running down on a, uh, a family mission from Connecticut all the way down to JFK Airport here near me and all the way back in time to join us on the show. So, Ira, very appreciated. Thank you very much. And now it's time for me to circle back to Maggie Buggy. Maggie, where are you calling from? What time of day is it? And I have to ask you the most important question. One of the most important questions today is what are you drinking? What's in your cup today, or what will you be drinking right after the show? Um, well, I am in London, same as Jerry, and it is 3.15 in the afternoon. And, uh, Bonnie, I had quite a bit of fun thinking about what's in my cup in preparation for today, because, um, unfortunately, I won't be drinking it right now or directly afterwards, but it's more of a wishful thinking because I am eight months pregnant at the moment, and I'm really looking forward to having some Aragon Pinot Noir in my cup in about another two months. So, <laughs> my, <laughs> so when I was thinking about what's going to go into my cup, I was like, no, it's going to be the wishful thinking one. I'm going to really enjoy in about two months' time a fantastic uh, big big glass of Aragon Pinot Noir. <laughs> Maggie, woman, first of all, Mazel Tov. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the expression, but I know Ira Burke certainly is, and I am. Yeah. That's congratulations. And Maggie, <laughs> I spent many years living in Oregon. I was in Eugene, and when you mentioned Oregon wine, I, it just makes me a little bit homesick, although I am a native New Yorker, and I started here in 
and came back here just to mention. So uh, thank you for that shout out to the state of Oregon. Yeah. And I, I hope when you're ready to drink that wine, it tastes fantastic, Maggie. Thank you very much. I know. I have, I have a bottle all ready to go, actually. <laughs> oh, lady should be Pino prepared the all, the, <laughs> all the time. Oh, I'll remember that. I got to go get one. Uh, Jerry Brown, I think you said you're in London. And what time of day is it there? And what are you drinking or what do you plan to drink? Yeah, it's uh, 3.16 in the afternoon, uh, Bonnie, and uh, I'm drinking a cappuccino from uh, my favorite coffee store, which is a boutique coffee store uh, called Artigiano, I think, um, which I, it sounds like a very Italian name. And uh, Artigiano is right next door. Where I work um, on Paternoster Square, which is right opposite St. Paul's Cathedral. So uh, any visitors for London, I'm sure, will know St. Paul's Cathedral because it's a very famous landmark. And uh, from this particular coffee shop, you get an absolutely awesome views of the cathedral and the buzz that surrounds it with the, the, the tourists. So it's my favorite place to drink my cappuccino. Wonderful. I, I'm enjoying it. Uh, yes, I'm enjoying it. What's the word? I'm, I'm losing my word here. I'm enjoying it through you. Yes, go ahead. Ira Burke, talk to me. What did you have before you made this quick run all the way down to JFK? And did you have anything in the car in a travel mug on the way back? Because you must have made great time today, Ira. Oh, well, well, no, it was actually kind of a slow trip. But five hours ago when we left, I had a nice mug of, of Tully's breakfast blend. Uh, so, so now my cup is empty, which is sad. But uh, listening to all the talk about London, you know, it's making me think it's been about 15 years since I was living and working in London. So, uh, so maybe next time I'll have to try the place across from St. Paul's. But uh, for now, I have an empty mug waiting for some more, some more Tully's breakfast blend. Okay, uh, well, we'll do a shout-out to to Tully's for powering Ira Burke today. We've had a great opening segment here. We're talking with Maggie Buggy at Capgemini. And thank you. Shout-out to Mary Johnson at Capgemini for working with us to get Maggie on board. Jerry Brown, always great to talk to you. Ira Burke at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to a live edition of Digital Where are we? Digital World with Game Changers. And our topic today is digital customer experience, redesigning your organization. We're talking about the big headache that's plaguing, troubling, and keeping CXOs awake at night. A lot is on their plate, and digital is the word that looms large. Maggie, Jerry, and Ira will help us figure this all out. You really don't want to miss this. Wherever you are located in the world, whatever company you're working for, whatever line of business, whatever industry, this is really important stuff. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Brad out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The digital world is moving faster than ever, and the future will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. The definition of future success is being shaped by many factors, such as more digitally demanding employees, customers, and partners, an increasing variety of digital devices, resource scarcity coupled with data abundance, and extensive business networks and complex supply chains. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how the digital world can lead to a better future for everyone. Digital World with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're 
You're listening to Digital World with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show using Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Digital World with Game Changers. Here we are. Welcome back. We're talking about the digital customer experience redesigning your organization. My panelists are Maggie Buggy at Capgemini, Jerry Brown at Ovum, and a shout-out, Jerry, to all of our pals at Ovum who are so frequently guests here on SAP Game Changers Radio, and Ira Burke at SAP. And we're going to kick off the roundtable with Maggie Buggy, some interesting, well, digital is our big word today. So let's talk about the following. Maggie, you sent me in your notes. You said digital Digital is not a business outcome. It's an enabler of business outcomes. And you add digital masters intelligently combine the what of digital transformation with the how and are experiencing, here's the big important thing, 26% increase in profitability. That's the optimum. That's the maximum. That's a lot of big bucks. So, Maggie, how do we explain this? How, how important is digital? And anybody who's a laggard, I think after hearing you and the other panelists talk, they're going to change their minds. You agree? Absolutely, Bonnie. But the really important, there's two really important points in that statement that I shared. Number one, that one of the biggest challenges that our clients face is where digital has been confused with business outcomes and being totally clear that it is an enabler of them. The objective of most privately owned enterprises is to return shareholder value. And often one of the issues and uh, pitfalls that people have fallen into with digital is treating it as if it is an end goal in and of itself. We're very clear that, and from our delivery experience, that the key to this space is intelligently using digital to drive better, faster achievement of business outcomes. Now, where it gets very interesting is from the data that we have from a long-running research collaboration that we have with the MIT in Boston, we know that organizations who are fantastic at digital transformation, who we call the digital masters, they combine the what of digital transformation, and by that we mean the way in which they inform and, and space and combine their investments across customer experience, operational process, and business model and uh, data and insights with the way in which they approach it, which is all around the how, i.e. the leadership capability. And one of the big learn, learnings has been, coming back to one of our basic premises for today's call around CXO headaches, is we cannot overemphasize the importance of the role of effective leadership by the CEO and the board in creating profitable business outcomes through intelligent use of digital. So from my perspective, if there was only one key thing that everyone took away from the points I'll share in the discussion today, Mm -hmm. it is that, that stop treating digital as if it's an end destination in and of itself. It absolutely isn't. Key to economic profitable impact is intelligently using it and combining digital capability with more traditional capability to reconceive the way in which we approach the customer, i.e. on that transition to becoming customer-obsessed 
and then mm-hmm. the employee part, because it is a simple fact that, unfortunately, throughout the recession, which sadly has been, you know, nearly eight, ten years now, uh, the people component of organizations has been underinvested in from a change and transformation perspective. So what we're seeing now is this um, mismatch between what customers, our clients, CXOs, want to do in the context of the market and their consumers, and their lacking ability to actually have the workforce to be able to respond to that need. Thank you, Maggie. Very interesting. It, it To me, it comes down to the people, the CXOs, the people you have on board who have to understand that digital isn't just something, a game you play. It's not just something you, as you're saying, you just don't throw money at it and say, wow, look at us, we're successful. It takes a lot of thought and a lot of uh, a lot of preparation to use it well. Really good insights. Thank you, Maggie. I want to ask Jerry Brown at Ovum to chime in. Jerry, do you agree, disagree with Maggie? I thought she made some excellent points, actually. This whole idea um, that uh, digital is not a means to, it, uh, to, to an end, it's, 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 a, like, it's partly a mechanism. And I was listening to a presentation the other day talking about um, uh, online advertising, and they, they talked about what they call programmatic, which is the way that you, you uh, advertise online. And the, the, the speaker said uh, very poignantly, I thought, um, you know, it, but, but programmatic is not a channel. It's a mechanism. And, and I would put digital in the same camp. Okay. Ira Burke, thoughts? Uh, yeah. So, so the, I guess the, the thing that makes digital interesting in this conversation, right, is the way that it's opening up new possibilities. And that's why it can be uh, mistaken, right, for being, uh, for being the destination instead of being an enabler, because it has some of the characteristics of both, right? So if the place where you arrive hasn't leveraged the capabilities, of the digital transformation. If you're not interacting with partner companies, interacting with customers, interacting with people on their mobile devices, interacting with social networks, if you're not doing those things, then then probably you're not going to arrive where you're heading. So so it may be just a little bit more than than just than just another enabler the way that an additional investment would be an additional enabler. At the same time, um, it's it, I think it's I agree completely that it, it's it's dangerous sometimes to confuse delivering the technology with delivering the business outcome. And uh, and so I think that as we uh, as we think about different examples, think about different industries where it can be applied, think about different technologies uh, that can be applied. Right, we bring those all together, and we'll see that it's going to be a, a really interesting blend of things that were not possible before, of new creative ideas, mm-hmm. new creative combinations. Uh, but it has to have that business empowerment, that customer focus, the employee empowerment, enablement, all of it together in order for the result to be successful. Interesting. I want to have Maggie come back in. Maggie, any comments on what Ira and Jerry just added? Uh, Absolutely. And I think we're all very much in agreement here. And one of the things that struck me um, from something Ira said was when we think about being digitally enabled, I'm thinking about a conversation I had with one of our CMO clients a few weeks ago. And he was saying to me, Maggie, how would you describe the the typical digital employee? He was saying that, in the context of his global marketing function, he didn't really have a lot of technology digital skills, although they were consuming a lot of them from partners such as ourselves and also agencies. And our discussion went in a very interesting direction because there's a whole human emotive element to being digitally enabled that strangely enough or ironically enough, the term digital tends to brush over. 
And that is that, in my opinion, often the best digital employee has got actually doesn't necessarily have to have any deep technology skills. Rather, being digitally enabled is uh, a propensity to share, a desire to collaborate, an openness to trying new things, an ability and willingness to take a risk and collaborate across uh, functional silos, recalling Jerry's quote from uh, Maurice Levy, and also um, an ability from a cultural perspective to be resilient in the face of if things don't work the first time, try and try again. And that just struck me, Bonnie, as I was listening to the uh, richness of discussion that Jerry and Ira are contributing, that we really, from a CXO perspective, can't forget this emotive human element that is so much part and parcel of using digital intelligently to deliver mm -hmm. really meaningful customer and business impact. Maggie, that's a really interesting point. Go ahead. Who's that? Jerry? It's, it's Jerry. I was, I was just going to make a point, actually. I was... I was recently talking with um, uh, the CTO of uh, AKQA, which is one of the top um, advertising agencies in, in the UK, part of the WPP group. And he uh, made a very interesting observation. He was talking about that the makeup of his, his people who deliver digital solutions and work with, with people like Maggie's uh, company, Capgemini. And uh, he said, uh, you know, increasingly, we are employing a different breed of person to help with this kind of work and, and, and psychology and sociology is playing a big part so we want people mm -hmm. who have got uh, you know in-depth understanding of things like anthropology behavioral economics psychology people who can really think about the creative aspects and the, the customer needs in a, in a different kind of way so the, 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 the traditional creatives we're looking for a new generation which really uh, understands sort of uh, touch and feel in, in the way that they communicate and and that's part of digital it's not like a excel spreadsheet a a, a sort of uh, um, a, a, a left brain logical kind of thing there's a very soft touchy consumer experience experiential kind of flavor to digital which you need to embody in the way that you implement these solutions thank you jerry and maggie i, I want to chime in for a second this is bonnie to me when we all started getting into i'll call this this digital era this digital thing people were saying oh nobody is able to communicate on an emotional eye-to-eye -eye, person to person handshake type of basis we're all separated we're all behind this digital wall yes we can talk by digital more frequently and more copiously and more conveniently and from all over the world at no cost but there's no emotion in it so we invented mo emoticons didn't we and people are saying well be careful when you read an email because you don't know what the person really thought it's just words and maybe it's a font and it's a little smiley so now we're saying anthropology and sociology and psychology have to blend with digital to bring in the voice of the customer maggie any thoughts on that it seems to me like we're making a, a we're demanding a paradigm shift in the acknowledgement that digital can have an emotional component. What do you see, Maggie? Oh, absolutely. For me, it's fundamental. And it's high fives all around from my perspective. I started life out uh, being working in um, organizational culture and change before I got into the whole digital transformation area. And this whole behavioral element that Jerry was just talking about there that I've been contributing on, we cannot and should not disassociate that from the business objectives that we're trying to drive when we consider using digital. And this brings us back to the point that 
if the biggest blocker for most organizations, I'd say across our global client base and also within our partner ecosystem, everyone says the biggest blocker to using digital intelligently is cultural. And mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with technology. It is all about yes. some of these behavioral pieces that we're talking about here. And also really provides the business case, if you will, of why when we speak about being customer-obsessed and customer-centric, we need to conceive of a coin. And one side of that coin is customer experience. The other side of that coin, from a CXO perspective, had better be employee experience so that we're able to consider this whole cultural, emotive, um, behavioral aspect to how we put the customer in a meaningful way at the heart of our enterprise decision-making. Thank you, Maggie. I'm going to move to some notes from Jerry Brown. Jerry, I'm looking for something here. I'm looking at something that seems to be, a, to me, a perfect segue from what we just talked about. You say, customer experience can refer to a mouse click or a lifetime brand experience. That's a powerful statement, Jerry. That's big. A mouse click or a lifetime brand experience. You want to expand that for us, please? I certainly will. Um, so um, customer experience, for, from my perspective, is, is a poorly defined term. It means everything and nothing all at the same, same time. So, uh, you know, you could say that a, a customer experience is, is just clicking on a, on a link in a, in a promotional email, or it could be a lifetime brand experience. So I would tend to look at it as the whole thing. From a cust- if you think about from the customer's perspective, they don't look at it in, in, in tra- transactional terms necessarily. They look at it the whole thing. And so what is the whole thing? For me, it's, um, it, it's, a, it's about uh, a customer journey. Uh, it's about receiving communications across many channels. Uh, it's about the, the image I have for you as a supplier, the things I've read about you in media over the years, comments from my friends, my own personal experiences of, uh, of touching your organization, and all this stuff you know, pulls together into the customer experience. And so, you know, that's what I think Amazon has done so brilliantly is that most of us have a very positive view of of Amazon um, in that all the links in the chain, the supply chain, the delivery of the books, the the price point we get, and and virtually everything that they do, it, it works well, and they've looked in a holistic way at customer experience. So I, I think it, it's very easy to think, oh, customer experience, that was just like uh, me receiving a cup of coffee in Artigiano. Um, but actually, it's much more than that. And the reason I go to Artigiano for my coffee, has, there's many layers of, of complexity, conscious and subconscious, which contribute to me choosing them over the many, many coffee bars that are around here. So I think it's important to think about the intangible brand uh, aspects as well as as, as the you know, the, the transactional kind of part of, of the, the, the jigsaw puzzle. But I also think, you know, that customer experience thing, it doesn't mean that we always have to aim uh, as enterprises for the big customer experience because that's a long-term goal, you know, mm-hmm. it's to provide that excellent customer experience. But we can do things in, in bite-sized chunks. So I think it's very important to experience and try new things out. And there's little areas that you can pick off and to deliver 
better customer, discrete customer experiences. And I have a couple of examples. So one would be, for example, in the UK, we have a building society which looks at real, real estate, uh, you know, the, the finance of real estate. Um, and what they do is when you move into your new house, you turn up and you open the door with your brand new key for your, your brand new house. And inside, they leave a hamper behind. It's got a bottle of champagne. It's got two glasses. It's got uh, some bits of food. It's got a toothbrush. And it's got all the things you need for that first night. And, and you know, when I was talking to their, their business transformation director, he said, you know, that does not cost us a lot of money, maybe $50 mm-hmm. to do this. But the goodwill that it invokes in terms yes. of cementing the deal and, and you know, acknowledgement that the, the joy that these that the, the new occupiers of a house are, are, are experiencing, you know, it really makes a difference. And, and the other example I have is HSBC, which is a, a large bank also in the UK. And, and, the, and what they realize is that when there's a deceased relative or, or a parent or something, then there's a whole load of heartache associated with dealing with a bank because there's multiple accounts and there's multiple savings. And each of them nearly always require signatures and authorizations. And particularly after, you know, someone's passed away, this is a really, can be a really painful process. So they looked at a, a very disjointed customer experience in someone trying mm-hmm. to clean up after, you know, uh, uh, someone has passed away. And they... But, you know, created a, a legacy uh, um, consolidation uh, kind of service. So you could go to one point and then w- HSBC would do all the necessary touch points and, f- and come back with a consolidated view which required one signature to transfer the necessary funds and to change or close the accounts necessary. So although generally I would say customer experience is the big picture thing, we also need to think in terms of the smaller kind of discrete areas where we can, we can differentiate from the competition and deliver real value for the customer by impro- improving a small part of customer experience, will, which, which you know, is an added value aspect of the whole thing. Thank you, Jerry. That comes back to our psychology, our sociology, our anthropology, emotions, feeling, understanding that people are still people and they have emotional needs as well as communication and business needs. Ira Burke, love to have you join in. What do you think? Well, you know, so I think this, this idea of focusing on bite-sized pieces of the customer experience is hugely, hugely important uh, and really gets things moving in the right direction. Um, I was just thinking about... Uh, Yesterday, I met a friend for uh, for coffee. He's uh, a, um, I guess, a, a, a very large-scale financial planner, so he'll look at estates and trusts and wills and foundations and endowments. And uh, we were talking about, you know, how, how do I digitize my business? My business hasn't really changed in terms of entering the digital world. And as we zeroed in on that conversation a little bit, we found that it wasn't really at all about taking, you know, large, complicated financial models and putting them online, but really focusing on the customer experience, on the points of interaction uh, between himself and the, and, and the customers. Where are the places that things go wrong? What are the outcomes that people are looking for? And how do we take those and make them more presentable? And this idea of leveraging the technology to improve critical small steps in the customer experience uh, turns out to be, first of all, achievable, second of all, valuable. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and it's just a, a different way to look at the uh, at the problem and really, you know, back to the earliest point, looking at uh, digital not as the uh, destination, but really as an enabler for something that uh, may not have been so easy before, but now could be done in a much better way. Thank you, Ira. Maggie, thoughts on this? Interesting points from your co-panelists. Very interesting. 
And actually, as I'm listening to Jerry and Ira, I'm thinking about, I agree with them both, I have to say. I'm also thinking about some of the insights from our consumer goods clients that we're working with at the moment, where they're really moving into this uh, a realization, really, that the way in which potentially they've conceived of customer segments historically is not the, and functions internally that support those segments and, and marketing transformation are not really fit for purpose. And the interesting thing that I'm thinking about as I'm listening to the discussion is in order to have the confidence from a CXO perspective that you're able to identify these smaller if you will, like segments, but also opportunities either on a local basis or maybe within brand or maybe across a cluster of brands or a cluster of regions. There's a huge dependence on the ability of the enterprise to respond in as near real time as possible at an appropriate cost to serve. And the gentleman I'm sure we'll all be very familiar with, Guy Kawasaki, who puts it much better than I could when he says, You've got to be damn sure from a CXO perspective, you're not putting your investment into listening to and talking to lonelyboy at AOL.com. And what he means by that is when we move into a world where we're using aggregated customer and consumer insight to then use that in turn to do real-time marketing across, be it e-commerce campaigns or um, more uh, digital advertising, we need to be pretty confident on what are the micro-segments and, yes, some of the bigger segments across or within brand or regions, as I outlined, that we want to be able to profitably interact with and push mm-hmm. products, services, meaningful insights, support, whatever it is that the customer need is at that touch point, at that point in time, and in parallel, have be confident that we've done the heavy lifting work on behalf of the enterprise, and by that I mean the operating model from a business and a technology perspective, to be confident that the cost to service these micro changes in segments are for some of the bigger things are actually profitable for us to do so. So those, Bonnie, are the thoughts I was just mining over as I was listening to Jerry and Ira. I was going, hmm, putting from the operating model, there's a huge requirement on it to be able to profitably respond. And digital and data has a big role to play in delivering that customer promise profitably to both micro-segments, as Jerry was outlining, or for some of the more within-across-brand initiatives. Thank you, Maggie. um, Go ahead, Jerry. Um, I was just going to say, this whole customer experience thing, this puts an enormous amount of pressure on the CMO, you know, because uh, they are concerned with delivering the brand promise to be trustworthy, honest, authentic. Otherwise, it's all going to fall to bits. And there's, you know, there's, mm-hmm. an, uh, there's a sort of arms rate escalation at the top of, 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 the, the, of many companies to, to outdo themselves in terms of, of the bigness of the promise. And so there's a real fear factor, in my opinion, from the CMO community who are responsible really for delivering this, this brand promise and the customer experience that, you know, uh, that we're overselling ourselves. And, and it's really important for a marketing person to, to, you know, undersell and overachieve, as it were, and, and to set the right mm-hmm. expectations. Because we all know in, in this highly transparent world, if we big ourselves up too much and then don't deliver against it, that's the way you turn it into, uh, you know, a failed organization such as a blockbuster or uh, um, you know, a, a Kodak.
that kind of organization. So I, I think there's a real pressure for, for the CMOs to, to kind of, you know, to, if anything, tone down the, the customer experience promises made, mm-hmm. and, but also to be, you know, inv- highly involved in this digital transformation to ensure that whatever promises are made are deliverable through all the necessary channels. Yeah, Jerry, good uh, point. Bonnie, go ahead, Ivan. Yep. Yeah, if I can just uh, add a, uh, a real-life uh, example that's very fresh mm-hmm. in my mind um, from this idea of over-promising on the brand. Um, it's, it's getting close to the middle of April, and so in the United States, of course, that means it's almost tax time. And uh, last night I was oh, working sure. on my taxes in a, in a piece of tax software that I, that I won't name now. Um, I got to a point where it said I needed to phone the software company in order to continue, and that if I left that screen, I wouldn't be able to resume oh, that no. function. So I got to this point. I picked up the phone. I made the call. I was on hold for a little over an hour. Um, oh, and then, Ira. And, and then the person answered and said, hi, I'm, you know, gave me his name and said, I'm here to make sure you have a delightful customer experience with us today. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and I tried to be polite, no, but, uh, but I had to say you're out of your mind. <laughs> <laughs> I was always polite, always the gentleman. <laughs> right, so he did great, right? He saw he did exactly what he needed to do, but there's no way, right? It was, it was way too late for him to deliver yeah. a good customer experience. And so you can imagine the marketing uh, input that that person received, but what difference did it make? Absolutely. I re- it reminds me of Lori Grenier on the TV show Shark Tank tell, says to everybody, your product is either a hero or a zero. And I think we're talking about some zeros in terms of customer service. Ira, I'm glad you chimed in on that. I want to get one more point in here. I'm looking at your notes because we're, we're starting to get, we're about 12 minutes away from the end of the show. Let's talk about the empowerment of the employees in this digital transformation, in, the, in this digital culture. You say the culture of empowerment, open the channels of digital communication and use them empower your people to use them and don't fake it so let's talk about the faking it aspect we've already talking about doing it badly ira but how do you tell people to do it we 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 put the words on the table uh customer obsessed we've talked about anthropology we've talked about psychology we've talked about emotional elements don't fake it how do you get the right people in the right customer facing roles in the right digital communication who are not going to fake it where they really are sincere is that another cxo headache ira burke Oh, I, th- I think it's, com- first of all, I think it's completely a CXO headache because it is something that starts from the top, right? It doesn't work if the person on the front line has been told to delight the customer, but the rest of the organization isn't properly, uh, isn't properly aligned, right? So the- this, I mean, yeah, I obviously wrote, the- wrote my notes down before I had that experience last night, but it does, it does fit remarkably well. And it's- I wrote it because it's part of a pattern. This happens all the time. When you're dealing with, uh, with you know, as as a customer of, of any um, of any organization, and sadly, sometimes you can feel it when you're out to deliver uh, what you hope is going to be an excellent service for someone else. It's important, so important for the organization to be aligned, to give you the empowerment, to give you the ability to to make decisions, to do what it takes to make a customer happy, and they really appreciate it when you do. Obviously, right? So it's uh, it, it does need to be a top down. The tools are important. The communication is important reaching the right person at the right time with the right information is important but then being able to act and that means listening to the results that come back and continuously improving your organization to be able to deliver Mm, thank you very much maggie want to hear your thoughts on this no absolutely and this is one of the most tricky parts for cxos and for organizations in that it is it is a simple fact that 
as organizations become more digitally enabled, there is, in some cases, an unintended devolvement of corporate governance. So from that, in that decision-making is <coughs> delegated and devolved down to the point at which uh, the customer is touched. Now, from an organizational design and governance perspective, as Ira was outlining, you need to be really sure that the people at your front line are both empowered and uh, supported to make the right decisions for the enterprise. Back to this point around profitable customer promise. And a simple example I'd use from the telecommunications industry in talking to one of our service director clients there, he was making the point that, you know, uh, Mary in his call center who's been working for them for 15, and 15 20 years, only dealing with two channels, mobile, uh, sorry, phone and uh, email, is not mm -hmm. suddenly overnight going to morph into the type of customer service agent who can deal with multiple screens with lots of flows of real-time data and then being able to respond in real time in a way that his organization can be completely comfortable with. So that's one point I'd make. The second is an anecdote from one of our clients, the Dutch bank ABN AMRO, and they've done a fantastic job at improving customer satisfaction and driving channel shift to, from branch to mobile by, on behalf of their customer, but by engaging their employees in co-creating the future experience they would offer for their customer and heavily investing in the quality of experience from a content perspective and from a service support perspective that was available in the mobile channel. So to Ira's point, the big lesson from ABN AMRO is that they were able to deliver their uh, efficiency gains and business outcomes metrics in that space in parallel to increasing customer satisfaction, but through highly high engagement of their frontline service employees in co-creating what the to-be experience would be and how the change program would be delivered. So those would be my contributions, uh, Bonnie. Thank you. Jerry, thoughts? Yeah, um, some really interesting points there, some really good ones mm -hmm. too. Um, so a, a few points. I, I think you know, that the overall topic here is around alignment of, of getting the frontline people aligned with what's happening you know, at the top of the company. So I, I've just got a few thoughts that I'd like to share. Uh, so first of all, you know, I think you need to think about inverting the pyramid, turning the, the pyramid upside down. The idea you know, for most organizations today, the old command and control kind of thing with the big general at the top, you know, uh, 30 miles behind the lines, ordering the troops uh, what to do next is, is kind of gone. You need to be much more you know, reactive, adaptive, responsive at the front line. So you need to, to, to be prepared to give up some of your power at the top of the organization. Invert the pyramid and see, that the, see the, the top level executives as supporting the front line troops as opposed to directing them and, and commanding them. And then being really responsive um, to signals in the marketplace and bringing those back and turning those into corporate policies. So thinking about turning the, the, the organization upside down to becoming customer-centric. And as part of that, I think you need to avoid this hippo uh, syndrome, you know, the highest paid person's opinion. 
you know, which uh, is pervasive in most organizations, frankly. Um, and, and I personally believe that you need to move that on from there to be uh, much more data point driven. You know, we should be evidence based in the way, way we make decisions rather than Go, then, then follow the, the CEOs or the top person's personal point of view. They cannot know everything. The best mm-hmm. decisions are going to be made through collaborative uh, and, and data-driven decision-making coming from bottoms up, from the people who actually touch the customer. And I think that the last thing, well, a couple of other things here, is think about having the, building the customer into your organization. So don't have product marketing, marketing communications, and marketing programs as titles in your marketing department. Have customer acquisition, customer cross-sell, customer retention. Put the customer first in the way that you design your organization and, the way you, and, and that will reflect in the way you think about the roles that you're, 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 you're uh, completing for the, on behalf for the customer and the last thing is get your remuneration right you know so for example in Aviva that from the CEO down to the lowliest person they're all remunerated around NPS net promoter score and that gives a very different cultural perspective when, when you're paid based on customer satisfaction and I remember an apocryphal story from the lady who was re- responsible for Microsoft um, this is many years ago she was responsible for customer experience and she said she got short thrift from the product um, set organizations within Microsoft who weren't really interested and and then they changed all the remuneration structures around, um, you know, the results of an annual massive customer survey that they did. And suddenly, everybody wanted to talk to her about customer experience. So once uh-huh. you align people with customer, you know, satisfaction and customer experience, then you get a very different set of behaviors coming through. Thank you, Jerry. You know what? We're down to four minutes till the end of the show, and I want to make sure we do our predictions round. So I'm going to circle back to Maggie Buggy. Maggie, 60 seconds, top predictions on this topic of the digital customer experience, redesigning your organization. If you can project to the year 2020, that's great, or tell me another time. What do you see in the crystal ball? Maggie, 60 seconds, go. Okay, I'm going to keep it snappy. Um, I think that within the next, by 2020, digital is definitely going to become just business as usual, the way in which good business is done effectively. Uh, there's a huge point where I think we're going to see emergence of more concrete value chains, both within and across industries. And I would also say that we're going to see, before 2020, I hope, but at maturity by 2020, a real return to a focus on values-led leadership. And that, for me, is the most important thing, much more important than actually the subject of digital, that in order to take advantage of the business opportunity that is represented by all the things Jerry, Ira, and myself have been chatting about today, values-led leadership on behalf of the board is absolutely critical to it. And every CXO needs to be able to ask themselves, why would anyone buy from me and why Mm -hmm. would anyone work from me? So glad you glad you brought that in. I saw that in your notes, Maggie. Very important. Thank you for bringing that in. Jerry Brown, exactly one minute. Be snappy, just like Maggie said. Go ahead, Jerry. Predictions. Indeed. 
So, so what, what's going to happen um, to 2020? Well, the first thing that's going to happen is that we're going to stop looking at customer data in silos of marketing, sales, and service. So we're going to join up those, those, uh, those silos of data to give a, a complete 360-degree view of the customer. We're going to get better at cross-channel communications. It's not done well today. We're going to get much better at, at using the right switches, the right channels to talk to customers in the right ways uh, in, a, in a very responsive event driven kind of way. We're going to think more about customer journeys and, and, and understand better how the kind of experience and journeys that customers go through when they buy our goods and they receive our services and products. We're going to think in a bigger way about customer experience. And we're also, we're going to continue the journey for digital business transformation, infusing digital into the business, to traditional business structures to come this hybrid kind of online, offline, effective, modern day business. Thank you, Jerry Brown. Ira Burke, we saved 60 seconds for you. Predictions, go. Yeah, so mm -hmm. I think that this discussion is going to become broader and deeper as, uh, as we get closer to 2020. Um, think about the experience of Uber, for example, which starts, starts off as a brilliant technology innovation, but look how disruptive it is now organizationally, politically, right? You know, taxi protests in the middle of London and other cities around the world. Um, the, the effect of the digital transformation that we're seeing is going to be felt in every sphere, the way companies are organized, the way um, people respond to, to changes in the environment. And I think we're going to see this as an element of a much, a much bigger, much more interesting discussion uh, getting closer to 20 years that we may not be talking just about the digital aspect, but really about the impact that it's having, the opportunities it's creating, the problems it might be causing, and the, and the, uh, and the opportunities for resolving them that ultimately makes, uh, makes things, uh, things better as a result. Thank you. More, more problems, another headache. We'll have to bump that up to headache number 1,000. I have a big thank you for Maggie Buggy at Capgemini. Maggie, all good wishes on the addition to your family coming up, and I hope you get to enjoy that bottle of Oregon Pinot sometime soon. <laughs> and you. be thinking of you. We'll be toasting you. Jerry Brown at Ovum, thank you so much. And give a shout-out to your colleagues for us, Ira Burke at SAP. Thank you, as always. Ira, you're one of our most frequent guests on SAP Radio, and we know why. You're good. Uh, shout-out to Brad Bork the sponsor of this series, Digital World with Game Changers. Anya Reschke, thank you so much for joining us and helping put together this panel and tweeting Mary Johnson at Cap Gemini. Big shout out to you for getting us in touch with Maggie Buggy, Brad, and the Business Channel team. Let's see, I'll be back in an hour right here on the Business Channel with Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers. Today we're talking about precision farming. You don't want to miss that one, even if you're not a farmer. E-I-E-I, uh-oh, how big data can your garden grow? How do you like that one? I'm Bonnie <laughs> I may. <laughs> you may be calling on the stage, Broadway. We, <laughs> uh, I've done stand-up. Now I do it sitting down. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. We will talk to you in an hour. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Digital World with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.